Hey guys, before we dive deep in today's episode, I want to let you know that we are streaming all of these episodes live every single week in our Facebook group. We're giving away all of our best tips and tricks and answering all of your questions live in the group. So if you haven't already had a chance to check us out, I suggest you do so. I'll drop the link in the description of this episode for you. Click on that guy when you're ready to join the fun. See you guys on the other side. Why is it that some chiropractors go on to help tens of thousands of patients and become wildly profitable while others struggle to stay busy on a day-to-day basis? We've dedicated this entire show to interviewing some of the top chiropractic minds on the planet and examining the exact strategies that they have used to scale their businesses to the next level. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Chiropractic Marketing Secrets. I'm with Danielle Eaton, the founder and CEO of Aligned Women, and she has an amazing mission, which is mainly why I'm so pumped for this interview right now, because Danielle has been on a mission for the last four years to help chiropractors grow a profitable practice without sacrificing times with their families. And she has helped hundreds of chiropractors over the last four years achieve just that. And I'm even more excited because both Danielle and I are major marketing and business nerds. So we're going to go a little bit deep. I actually I spoke with Danielle a few days ago and it was very became very obvious that we are both business and marketing nerds right away. So we're going to be talking <laughs> all things business and marketing related and even talking some relevant strategies for what's going on in the economic landscape today with the coronavirus. So first and foremost, Danielle, I appreciate you taking the time today to be with us. Thanks so much. I'm excited. I love the opportunity to talk about chiropractic and marketing anytime. So if someone is like, you want to talk about marketing? I'm like, yes, let's do it. (laughs) I'm literally in the same exact boat. And so we have an entirely deep discussion today on just that, the marketing and the business of the chiropractic world. But I want to give a little background about you first. I want to give a little context as to who you are, how you got started in the chiropractic world, and ultimately how you became a coach. So how did you get started in in chiropractic originally? And then what led you into becoming a coach down the road? I've really been working on like narrowing this story down into a concise, short story because in the past when I've told my story of how, like how I've gotten here, it can take me like an hour, but um, I became a chiropractor sort of, I don't want to say on a whim, but it was like a lot of chiropractors become chiropractors because they've had an amazing experience with chiropractic. And I had only been to a chiropractor like three times when I was like, I think I'm going to go to chiropractic school. That makes sense. But for context, my undergraduate was, um, a double major in marketing and social work. And it was like these really odd, almost like opposing at the time I thought they were opposing um, perspectives or courses of study. And chiropractic to me was a way that I could see how I could take my business education and my social work education and like combine them into one future path, right? By owning a business and being able to help people. So I became a chiropractor. Um, and then I went through chiropractic school, um, uh, like around the third year or so I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like a lot of my classmates are really good adjusters and I wasn't, and I felt like I had a pretty solid handle on the business aspect that didn't scare me so much, but the clinical side, I felt really unprepared for. So I, Um, I also graduated right at the time that the economy crashed in 2008 and I decided to apply for a residency, um, which meant that the week, a week after I graduated with my doctorate, um, degree, I was working as a faculty member at the college I had just graduated from, which was so weird. (laughs) I was like, I hope they don't find out that I actually don't know anything because here I am now teaching students when I was just a student a couple of weeks ago. Um, my residency was in sports and rehab. It was like cramming seven years of practice into two years of practice, um, being thrown into the fire, working as a team physician for a semi-pro football team, traveling with them, traveling with um, local universities and their sports teams. It was crazy. So I learned a ton. And in that role, part of what I also did, which was not in my job description, was help students prepare their branding, their logos, their marketing plans for starting their own practices. Um, My 
my boss, who was my mentor, he was someone that people sought after him for his advice and his help with their practices. And he was so inundated, inundated with requests for help that he often uh, was like, Danny, just answer these emails. <laughs> or he'd yeah. hand me his cell phone and be like, take this phone call. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never owned a practice. <laughs> right. and he just trusted me enough to not F it up too bad. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and knew also that a lot of times what people really needed was not specific strategy, but like to get out of their own head right. and get through the, the mindset challenges that they were having and have like a confidence boost. And I could do that. I, I did that every day as a faculty member. So um, I started oddly supporting other chiropractors with their practices, essentially from the first day that I was licensed. Um, then I became a mom <laughs> sure, yep, <laughs> and, yep. and I was totally unprepared for how much motherhood was going to change my perspective on my career because people were telling me, even my boss was telling me, you're not going to want to come back to work after you have the baby. And I was like, that's crazy. Why would I want to just be at home with a baby all day? And then she came and I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to work. Right. And I did because like I needed to make money and support my family. But I started to feel really like I, the, the, the push and the pull between motherhood and work was just so immense. And I had worked 60, 70, 80 hours a week as a resident. And then here I was then as a mom and as the assistant director of the sports and rehab department and I had a team of people, but I still felt like I should be working the same way that I used to. And I can't, I just can't and have a little baby at home. So that was when I decided to start my own practice. And I went forward starting my own practice. All I knew was the students that I know who are successful starting their own practices are the ones that have the best work ethic through school in their studies and in the clinic as well. So I'll do that. I'll just work hard and I can work hard. I can work and I can work and I can work and work and work and I can ignore all the other things that are important mm, in the process right. of that. Right. So I worked hard. I grew my practice really quickly. Um, within the first, I don't know, six months or so I was seeing 60 office visits a week. That takes some chiropractors years to get to. It was just like I was doing everything and anything for marketing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and and so there I was. So everything looked good on the outside. My my classmates were like, "How did you how did you do that so quickly?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just work hard. Right. I, I didn't have any strategy. I just threw spaghetti at the wall every mm -hmm. day, all day, to sure. see what would stick, and, yep. and just kept doing that. But I burned out really quickly. Um. Also a long story, but to make it short, I, I wasn't expecting to have any more kids after having the first one. I was like, that was way more challenging than what I anticipated that it would be. So let's not do that again. Mm -hmm. But then I got pregnant <laughs> yep, yep. and I was like, yes, sweet. Okay. Now I have an excuse to hire an associate, work less hours. And then I miscarried that pregnancy at the end of the first trimester. And eight weeks later I was pregnant again. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sacrifice another baby so that right. I can keep working this hard mm -hmm. and things have to really change. So I sold my practice at that point. That's when I was like, Oh wait, who, if I'm not a chiropractor, who am I? And what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. So this long process of figuring out what, what my identity was. I knew I still wanted to own a business. That's always been a part of, of, um, how I've seen myself, like, I, I've just always felt like I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a good employee. I don't want to be told sure. what to do. I want to do things yep. my way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just started putting one foot forward. And then before I knew it, I had created a life and business coaching program for women who are chiropractors. And that was in 2000, actually that was 2015, I believe. So it's been almost five years now. Wow. And just kept taking one step forward and um, in perfect action, figuring things out along the way. Yep. And now here we are. I have a program that has at the moment, um, I think 204 members um, and two marketing courses that are specifically for chiropractors. And I don't know that I've even shared this with you, but coming up in June, we'll have a new program for teaching hands-on practitioners 
chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, um, probably some other people as well, how to incorporate a hands-on, sorry, an online component into their practice in addition to alongside of the hands-on aspect, which people are like, some people get it because they've been listening to me talk about this for the last four years and like not helping them with it in a really structured way. <laughs> right. Like, yep. Yep. You should start an online program. Um, and other people, when they hear that notion, they're like, so you're going to adjust people over the internet? No, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. But we have to learn to see all the knowledge that we have in our heads like the intellectual property as something that's valuable and learn how to package that and offer it to people, support them with it so that we can make a global impact in addition to the local impact with our hands-on part of our business. And that we can really start to build a business that gives us time freedom. Absolutely. And that, and that's, and that's what I, I, that was amazing. But first and foremost, that was, and I what love that your say? mission, yeah, I, I love how everything comes together. That's my favorite part about your story is that like you are doing things one from imperfect action, but then also just going through different life events and then just kind of pivoting when things felt right. And I think that that's, you know, again, I think I talked to this on our call before, you know, but the dots always align backwards, right? It's hard to see the future in the future in the future until something changes and then you have to pivot, right? It's the imperfect action all day, every day, for sure. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that entire story. And I appreciate you taking the time to give us like context to, of to how you kind of got into the coaching realm and, you know, being able to serve the community of 200 some folks that you have right now at such a high level. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'm interested too. I want to, I want to dive in and pick your brain a little bit more with the marketing, you know, nerd and you and I, and dive into, um, kind of what's your thoughts. I know we had spoke before and one of your, one of your statements that you make is kind of getting off the roller coaster, right? So getting yourself off the business roller coaster, the marketing coaster, tell us a little bit about more what you think about that and kind of how you teach that. So, okay. Last year, uh, my team members and I accidentally surveyed over 900 chiropractors, <laughs> um, which sounds funny, but it was on accident. And uh, what we found was that over 90%, probably close to like 97% of chiropractors said, and I don't know the exact statistic because it wasn't our intention to know the exact statistic when we were collecting this information, but mm -hmm. roughly... 95% of chiropractors said their biggest struggle in marketing is to be consistent. And I was like, what? To be con like, I'm consistent. I want to drop F-bombs. I'm like, I'm so consistent in marketing. Hey, you can you can drop <laughs> F-bombs all you want. At least we're all the fucking time on here. If they don't want to listen, they don't have to listen. I tell people all that all the time, baby. You can say whatever you want. This free game. I keep it pretty clean on my podcast because there's often kids listening in the background with That's moms fair. while they're in the car. But like, yep, I'm yep. a consistent motherfucker. That's obvious to me. Yep. It never mm -hmm. crossed my mind that people struggle to be consistent in marketing. So then I went down this rabbit hole, essentially like, well, wait, why? Why are chiropractors inconsistent in marketing? Sure. Well, there's lots of reasons why. First, we don't see ourselves as marketers. We were like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a marketer. I'm a chiropractor. But if you chose to be a business owner, you then also chose to be a marketer. You just maybe have not actually realized that yet, or someone hasn't told you. And as you look at the, the key functions of business, as we talked about last week, the front end of your business, like more than 50% of the business is marketing. And without marketing, there's no business. So it just had never occurred to me to be inconsistent with marketing because that is that is how you grow a business. Um, yes, taking care of people is probably the most impactful way that your business grows, but you've got to be showing up and taking ownership of the marketing of your practice, right? You can't just be relying on other people to do it for you. Mm -hmm. um, so I started to learn more as I was like, well, this, this is a, this is a thing. <laughs> 95 plus percent of over 900 chiropractors say that their biggest struggle in marketing is to be consistent. So I wanted to learn even more about why. So the next thing that I found is that we don't make time. <laughs> like we just literally don't make time for marketing. 
again, it goes back to not identifying as a marketer, but we don't make time for marketing in part also because we get so busy with the hands-on care and so drained by that, that we're like dead. (laughs) So we can't like show up and, and be magnetic for an audience of people so that they're drawn to you. So then we've got to look at like, how do you make sure that you incorporate some boundaries into your schedule so that you have time to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself so that you are magnetic so that you actually have time to work on the marketing of your practice because without it, you're just, it's, it's a crapshoot, right? And that's not okay. That's why a lot of us right now are like, Oh, wait, I, what, what just happened? Like more than half of my business revenue just is gone now. Mm -hmm. But if we had, been looking at our businesses as businesses before a pandemic happened, then we maybe, I mean, maybe this is theoretical because we don't know. We may be a little bit better off right now overall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens for a lot of us is like, all right, business has slowed down. I better do some marketing. So then we go do some marketing and then we get busy with the patients and then we stop doing the marketing. And then that's when the roller coaster ride happens, really, mm-hmm. really crazy. Where it's like, okay, well, things are. I'm not getting enough new patients, so I'm going to ramp up my marketing. And then the ramp up of the marketing happens. You attract more new patients, and you fall off the bandwagon, or you get unmotivated, or you just get busy, and you haven't put in the the guardrails that I've just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then you just stay on this roller coaster. And some people that I know have stayed on this roller coaster literally for years and decades mm-hmm. because they haven't had, they haven't asked for a different way, really. Right. 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 So as I shared with you last week, it's taken me a while to come around to looking at social media advertising, for example, as something that I felt good about implementing in my own business and that I could recommend to others. But the truth is that if you've got a good ad strategy working to attract the right patients to your practice, then you don't need to spend so much time showing up through social media organically. You don't need to do spinal screens and health fairs, which are by the way, obsolete now because you can't do spinal screenings and health fairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the other option dinners with a doc. Are you going to do, what what are they calling it? Drop. uh, uh, What are they calling it? contactless delivery, <laughs> like, no contact yep. delivery. That's, yep. that's not going to work either. So the, we have to look at other ways. We have to, if we want our profession to survive, I don't want to sound like a doomsdayer or incite fear in someone, but no, I've been feeling just, this for a adapting. long time. Yeah. Right. Like I, I posted about this somewhere on social media over the last couple of days, as crazy as it sounds, I, in like 2012, as early as that, I was like, we got to do things differently because mm-hmm. things are changing. A lot of that was like the internet. The internet is changing things, right? Yeah. 2012, I was thinking like, I should be really taking all these exercises and stretches that I show my patients how to do that they forget how to do. I should be creating videos and putting this on a YouTube channel and getting this like and put together in a way that they can access at home. Well, that was 2012. I never did it. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. And then 2015 happened. Periscope came on the scene. People started live streaming. I started seeing health coaches, natural paths, acupuncturists, um, health coaches who are network marketers. I was like, there's all these people showing up, like sharing about what they do and how they help people, sharing free information. Where are the chiropractors? Why are we not utilizing this free medium right. to build awareness of our practices? That was on Periscope. And then it may have been 2016 when Facebook launched their live streaming platform. By that point, I had already had several months of practice of looking like an idiot on live video. Yep. In a lesser known known platform. So Facebook was like, all right, now Facebook Live is here. And I was like, well, here we go, friends and family. Now you're going to see a whole lot of me. And uh, then that's really what, um, like how 
my membership program came to be because I started teaching other women how to use live video. Mm, um, okay. And, and that I wouldn't have even thought was like a thing that people needed help with, but apparently they did. Um, Absolutely. So I did a free five day Facebook live challenge. And then at the end of that, people were asking, how can we keep learning from you and how can we pay you for it? And I was like, well, I guess we'll start you're, some kind of membership like, uh, program. My hands are, my hands are tied now. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's super legit. So you got into the membership program through teaching people how to do video lives. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it comes back to what you said earlier when you started, you know, when we first started our discussion is a lot of it comes back down to the mindset. People might be able to be really good communicators face to face, but when it comes to being on camera, when it comes to saying stuff on the internet, that it's, it's a whole different ball game. So then you're able to kind of most likely break down beliefs that people were having about going live and how to portray their knowledge in a way that people ultimately trusted and wanted to buy from them. You know, what's funny, I'm kind of laughing out loud is that as you say that, I'm like, yeah, a lot of chiropractors probably are pretty good at face-to-face one-to-one communication and one-to-one I might be okay, but I am so much better through live video. I'm so much more eloquent. And when you get one-to-one with me or like face-to-face with me, I'm like, uh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. That's, that's hilarious actually. (laughs) That's you found you found your space and you knew how to tackle it. That's hilarious. I um you know when I first started making videos too, it's it was a whole different ball game. I was always a decent communicator in person, but when I like got from the camera, I was like, uh, what do I? This is so weird. And it, what's weird about the camera when you first start for a lot of people is that like it, it's almost like you're talking to a wall sometimes because yeah. like you know if I like talk to you and I can kind of see your reaction like right here, but if you're talking to like just like a camera that's set up somewhere, the camera doesn't really give you any reaction. You know what I mean? It just kind of stares at you no matter what you're doing. And so you have to kind of just get your voice. You have to just keep doing it over and over and, you know, going through those embarrassing moments just to kind of find your voice. I think that's though what made it easy for me. So for anyone that's watching now or later that hasn't heard me tell this story, when I was an undergrad, I had a business communications course and I um, was supposed to give a speech for my final exam. And this was, this course was for my major, right? So it wasn't just like, um, bowling 101 or something. This course was like <laughs> yeah, required right. for my degree program. Right. I ghosted the final because I was so terrified to go give a speech to my class. Keep in mind, the, the people that were in my class were people I had already been in class with at that point for three years. I'd been in class with all of them for the whole semester. And yet I was so self-conscious and so terrified to stand in front of them and talk out loud that I was like, I'd just rather not go. I didn't know what the consequences were going to be, and I didn't even care. Well, I ended up getting a D for the course, which was a failing grade. I had to have a C or better. So I had to repeat the course to be able to complete my degree. (laughs) So when people are like, oh, I'm afraid to put myself out there, I'm like, yep, I know. I get that. I was too. And they say, well, how did you overcome it? And they're like, just by being brave, just by showing up over and over again on Periscope for roughly a year with nobody really watching except for me. So it was Mm -hmm. really good practice for me to like hear my voice and see my mannerisms and to know like, did I go too fast? Did I go too slow? Was I boring? Was I exciting? Did the kids interrupt too much? Were the interruptions from the kids cute or obnoxious? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I love it. I just kept going, like trying to make, you know, make things a little bit better at a time, a little bit at a time. And here we are now. So. It, eventually, it eventually just blossomed into you teaching people how to do stuff like that, which is crazy. Which is it's, just crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's it's, it's why, like I said, they you know things always connect backwards, and it's like you know you just got to go through. And when people are teaching you, they're or you're teaching them rather, they're just like, oh my gosh, she's she's so professional on camera, she's so mm-hmm. good at the live streams, and you're just like, ha, huh, you missed all the day ones when I was just like kind of just like messing up and doing like so people miss that part, you know. And yeah. so it's just a matter of just persistence and just finding your own voice over time. You know, I love that. Yeah. So I want to ask you something too. One of the things that, um, and I know this is big in entrepreneurship, but I know one of the things that we talked about um, in our initial call, you talked about the core principles of a practice and how you kind of bake in those core principles um, into basically everything that you teach. Right. And, you know, I, I wrote down those core principles, but I want to hear from you and I want to hear what order you teach them in um, just in terms of like how you go about your courses and how you kind of get people in the right frame of mind to ultimately grow their business to the next level. 
Mm -hmm. Interesting that you bring up the frame of mind because we're in the transition in May and June in um, establishing a new, an updated set of core principles, essentially. And nothing is really changing. It's just that we're clarifying that the place you have to start is with your mindsets. And that sounds sort of cliche, but people, women come into our program all the time who are like, well, I can't change my office hours. I have to be available for everyone all the time. I'm like, actually, no, you don't. And when you're willing to let that thought go and stop believing that that's true and change your office hours to what feel good for you, then you're going to start making more money. And they're like, huh? How? I have to be available for people all the time to make money. No, you don't. Mm, <laughs> you really right. don't. So mindset is first. We have to look at all the stories we tell ourselves that keep us stuck, keep us from really living our best lives, keep us from living the chiropractic lifestyle and start changing them. Then you've got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That again, sounds Facts. cliche, like self-care makes some nice quotes and memes on social media, but yeah. it really love yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're the yep. asset of the business. And 100%. when you're the one that provides all of the care, especially as a startup business, if you are not protected, then there's no business. So mm-hmm. I, I try to get people to think about this as like, you're the football and you're also the quarterback and you're also the, the linesman. <laughs> like you have to be mm-hmm. all of those things at the same time because you, you've got to carry that asset as far as you can get it to go. And you're going to do that over and over again. And you need a lot of protection to do that. Yep. And a lot of times that protection means you've got to be the your own advocate. You have to um, ask for what you need. You have to ask for support. You have to tell people no sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So what's next? Mindset, um, self-care, time and energy. Well, we kind of touched that, on that one a little bit. Like, just simply the notion of making time for your business. I have a whole course on this. It's just an hour long course, but like how to make time to work on your business is like a mind blowing concept for people. <laughs> right. Um, and, 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 and let me, let me say too, you know, there's a difference of working and you say, well, there's a difference of working in your business versus working on your business. And I think maybe a lot of people get those two mixed up is when they're in yeah. the office taking care of people, they think they're working on the business when reality yeah. it might be so much more, how can I start improving the business, the continuous improvement projects, the automation projects, the self-care projects, whatever it is, you know? So there's a distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. That's- um, looking again at the five key functions of business, right? Lead generation, mm-hmm. lead nurture, lead conversion, delivery, retention, and upselling. When mm-hmm. you're working hands-on with your patients, when you're adjusting patients, when you're taking money and scheduling the appointments, you're doing the delivery aspect. But if you right. listen to what I just said, lead conversion, sorry, lead generation, lead nurture, lead conversion, those are the first three. That's the front end of your business. And then retention and upselling. Most of us are just making time for the delivery. And we're right. hoping to build a business that pays off our student loans by just being good at the delivery while being able to ignore all the other functions of a business. Mm-hmm. So no wonder we struggle. No wonder right now people are panicking. No wonder chiropractors struggle to pay off their student loans because we're not looking at the full spectrum of a business. We're just looking at, I'm just going to be good at what I do. Yep. And that's, that's really important, but it's not everything. And do you think that most people, and I think we talked about this, and I think I already know a little bit of myself too, but do you think that's because in in school, the really the only thing that they're ever taught is the delivery aspect and not so much the other sides of the equation? For sure. Yeah. That's a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And having worked in an institution where I was um, on the faculty, I can tell you at the same time that the faculty the administration, they do a wonderful job of teaching you how to be a chiropractor and -hmm. teaching you the delivery, how to be good at the delivery. There's just not really anyone there who is qualified to teach you the other aspects Mm -hmm. of running a practice. Um, In addition to like, how much longer do you want to stay in school? (laughs) How much more debt do you want to take on to learn those things? And for most people, they would say, no, thanks. I'll just get this education that's already in place. But then we also complain that chiropractic school didn't prepare as well for owning practice. It's just, it is what it is. And you've got to take ownership again of being a business owner and, um, 
and get the support that you need. If you need it, most of us, everyone needs it. <laughs> everyone needs a coach. <laughs> and they usually need it sooner than what they realize that they need it um, to help you learn what you need to learn about owning a business. Absolutely. All right. So mindset, self-care, time and energy. Next in is ideal patients. This is important for practitioners for a lot of reasons, but specifically in this conversation, um, it's about knowing who your target market is. And mm -hmm. in the, for a long time in chiropractic, we've been told that how you market your practice is go out there, teach everyone the benefits of chiropractic care. It doesn't work that well. And we have evidence to support that it doesn't work that well because only 10%, 10.7% of people in the U.S. utilize chiropractic care, which right now is even less than that. Yet everyone needs chiropractic care. So we can make the assumption that what we're doing to help people understand that everyone needs chiropractic care is not working. We have to do it differently. Sure. I started to see that as early as like 2011 or 12, that this whole idea that you should teach everyone about the benefits of chiropractic or how chiropractic works, it feels weird. And I didn't understand mm -hmm. why fully then, but I understand it a lot, a lot better now i'm sure there's a lot more things i'll learn along the way as well but refining who your target market is helps you actually be more effective at marketing not marketing to everyone helps you be a better marketer yep. who would have guessed who would have who would have guessed right and that's the thing we, you know that's one thing that we talk about a lot in our community as well is that you know once you figure out who that perfect avatar is and you can really learn that person and learn their pains and learn their yeah. problems yes. and you start communicating in that way and it's always determined that whoever has whoever describes the problem the best is also perceived to have the best solution uh -huh. because you're resonating with them right yeah. So that's one of the first things. And I think I'm going to throw a little wrench in. We're going to go down this 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 kind of uh, this alleyway, per se, you know, on the, in the COVID side of things in a little bit here. But that's one of the things we're promoting right now is now might be the time to start even further refining your avatar. It might be looking back on, you know, past cases, past patients and really figuring out what made sense from a business perspective and what made you feel good as a provider as well. You know, who who were you yeah. getting the best results for? Who were you feeling the most fulfilled for? And then also who was a win-win from a business side of things, from a financial side of things, you know? So now is a decent time to start refining that avatar. Yeah, I'm with you, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so then next, community and relationships. That's the next core principle. And that one is really about like what we're doing right here, right now is just building mm -hmm. relationships with people who are like-minded, people that you... Um, you believe in, you believe in their mission that you click with personally as well as professionally um, and, and not doing it because you expect anything in return, but it's just a part of being a part of a community, whether that right. community is local or global for us, it's global for chiropractors. It's local. It's really easy to build relationships with, um, well, with either, quite honestly, in our realm for you and I, Jeff, we're used to building relationships over the internet and meeting on mm -hmm. Zoom and just like connecting. For chiropractors, they are used to going out like to chamber events or um, B&I and building relationships that way. But anybody can replicate exactly what we're doing right now, which is just meeting up one to one and talking. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, it's the, it's the, that's what we call the, that's the internet now. It's, it's a phone book. Social medias are the new phone book, you know, but the phone book, if you think about the phone book, I mean, you can have this, this, this big thick phone book or whatever, but if you don't actually pick up the phone and make any relationships with anybody, it's just going to be a list of names. It's the same on social media, right? Yeah. You have all the following in the world, but if you don't actually know who they are, what they stand for and how you can better yes. connect with them, that's all they are. It's just numbers, you know? Yep. I don't know if anybody or if you maybe have watched The Pharmacist on Netflix, speaking of the phone book, mm -hmm. um, the the main character in the documentary, his son was um, murdered in a drug deal. And, oh, no. Uh, and he wasn't even aware that his son was using drugs, apparently, but that's what happened. And so he goes on this mission to um, find his son's uh, murderer because he felt like the police weren't really even concerned about finding the person who did this to his son and he 
um, he got to a point in his journey where he was just like so frustrated that he decided to just get out the phone book and just start calling everyone in the phone book and asking if anyone knew anything. And our kids are looking at my husband and I like, what is that? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is that big book? Like, what is he doing? What, how did yeah. he get all those people's phone numbers in that list? And we were yeah. like, that's a phone book. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's so that's funny, actually. Funny aside. <laughs> and, and, yeah, no, that, and that's perfect. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, that strategy of, you know, in his situation, a little bit more, you know, detrimental in terms of finding his son's killer and such. But that strategy that you just said, it still works. And I'm not saying go and pick up a local phone book. In fact, one of the best strategies that and how we originally got our first few clients that were totally out of niche, totally random here in Milwaukee is I just went on LinkedIn. I sorted by every one of my connections that were on LinkedIn in Milwaukee. And I messaged every single one of them, 42 pages of people and just went and had meetings with random people all day, every day. That's all we did. And just meet people because you don't go with the mindset that like, you're going to just sell to this person. You go with the mindset, you're going to build a community, build a relationship, and you're going to have the network effect later. You're going to get access. They might be like, oh, Maybe at every conversation, you are a good fit to work together, but maybe they're like, hey, we might not be the best fit, but I got a friend who could really benefit from what you do, you know, and then you got the network effect and it's local, you know, so you can still do that same stuff on social media. You just got to be strategic about it. Yep, totally. Yes. I love it. And willing to do it. That's the first step. Facts, really, is like facts too. Willing to do it because there's people like you that are willing to do it. And there are people who are like, I want to grow my business. And then I'm like, all right, so what have you been doing to work on that? Well, I don't know. I'm like, well, yeah. then there's like, there's a lot of options. So let's start narrowing it down. Right, <laughs> and then yep. when I suggest things like that, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. And I'm like, yeah. And that means oftentimes if it feels scary, that means go do it because there's yeah, going to be facts. so much growth for you in doing that thing that you're afraid to do. Yep. I love that. All right. Back to the cliche statement of get comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, it's cliche, but it's the truth. You know, if, you, if yeah. what got you here today is most likely not going to get you where you want to go tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Next core principle is money, which sounds Ooh, money. Um, kind of funny. I mean, we own businesses to make money, right? Mm -hmm. But yet, especially for women, I don't know that as many men feel this way, they're afraid of money. They're, they feel bad about taking money from their patients. They don't ask for co-pays. They don't ask for payments before the services are rendered. They let people rack up bills. They don't know how to address that in a way that doesn't make them feel like they're going to break out in hives and a massive sweat. <laughs> yeah. like, and that's just kind of on the surface. There's also lots of reasons underneath the surface that we feel weird about money that we have to clear out because if energetically you're out of alignment with money, you're going to have a hard time making more of it. And it's, it's not something that people are like, yay, money mindset. Can't wait to learn why I feel unworthy of making money. And yet it's something that you really have to look at if you're struggling to, to make more in your business, or if you get to a plateau and you're like, I get here and then I kind of come down here and I get here and then I come down here again. There's something about this level of success that you are getting to that there's a block here somewhere. Yep. And it's usually about worthiness and deservingness around money. Yeah. And then that's lastly well is marketing. That's where like, that's where the work is ongoing. We can start to clear out some of those other things in the beginning, you know, and set some, some pretty clear guardrails or parameters, but marketing is an ongoing process that is never done. As long as you own a business, it's never done. People that have been in practice for decades, a lot of times on the outside, they're like, I don't have to do any marketing because my practice grows by referral. I'm like, that's awesome. But it also kind of just clues me into what they might be thinking about their ability to grow a, a even bigger business because what would happen if you were marketing your successful business and sharing the success stories from your practice you would have even more patients and that's a problem if that's a problem right. then you hire the team members to support the increased business right mm -hmm. and but that's yeah. also a dynamic too where there it's like 
growing a team is a whole new <laughs> that's a whole, <laughs> a whole, that's a whole, whole ball other game. realm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think in terms of um, when the marketing side of things? I know we briefly touched on it earlier in the conversation, but in terms of how can people start buying back their time with marketing and still be somewhat like effective? Do you do and what I mean by that, if, if, if it's social media posting, do you recommend any sort of automation with that or what are your thoughts? I think that it's a really fine line because a lot of the automation that's available for chiropractors in regard to social media in particular creates content that's all the same for every practice that they I've noticed heard. that, yep. And that's a actually it's like a real problem that mm. most people don't even recognize. They think, okay, great, all my social media posts are done. I don't have to worry about it. But all you're doing when you're sharing the exact same content as someone else is just creating noise on social media. Mm-hmm. And that content that's created that's done for you and done for someone else and done for someone else and it's all the same now just means your message and their message and their message are also all the same. So right. you've just gotten yourself back into this loop of like you don't stand out when, you're, when your content is the same as somebody else's. From what I've seen as well, and it, I know it's made with good intentions, but that done for you type of content is oftentimes created with the perspective of just teach people the benefits of chiropractic. So there's like pictures of spines and memes about chiropractors. Nobody really connects with that. So again, you could be consistently posting, but the content is irrelevant Mm -hmm. and it doesn't build a sense of connection or trust with an audience. In fact, it might even make you part of your audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that that's the core thing. I think maybe people are missing the ball on a little or maybe just the right wrong mindset is that it's, you know, you can show up all day and create like this, these engaging posts where it's like, you know, comment what you had for dinner last night, this, that and the other where it's like, that makes sense. And you're going to kind of, you know, somewhat solicit engagement. But at the end of the day, it's like, people buy from people care more way more about you than they care what your product is or your services. Right. So if you can find a way to bond with them and talk to them in a way that, you know, what, like if they read your post and they're like, man, like what a he or she wrote, I really, I read that. And I felt like that hit me at home. I feel like that they were speaking exactly to me and they associated you, the person with those thoughts and speaking to them. They're going to be like, wow, like maybe this person can help me. Maybe this person does have an actual solution. Right. People have forgotten the, the the human connection part of it too. It's the same as in person. You know, you're just gonna you're not gonna show show up to somebody and say, "Hey, look at this photo of this meme." Hope you resonate with it. No, you're just gonna engage human, <laughs> you know, face to face. You know, and so it's like the same thing online. It's I, I tell people when they make videos, it's like don't spend so much time like you know going into these big you know techno babble words of everything online and everything that your patients aren't gonna understand. Yeah. Just talk to them and let them get to know who you are first. I think one of the challenges for us is that we see our mentors do that. We see um, our mentors who are chiropractors who maybe even teach technique to chiropractors, like teach the clinical information to chiropractors and they use the technical jargon and we understand it yet we look up to them and we respect them and we want to emulate them because we want to have the same kind of influence that they have. So then we Mm -hmm. think I'll just do what they do. I'll talk like how they talk. And your audience is not their audience. Your audience is um, regular people, if you will, not (laughs) chiropractors, while their audience is chiropractors. So how you talk to your own audience has to be different because they're not the same people. Mm -hmm. That's well said. And I never would have thought about it like that. You know, it's the... Is maybe, you know, who they're listening to and how their own audience is talking to them and they're resonating with it. So then they think they can communicate to everybody else in the same way. And when in reality, it's just a matter of back to your avatar, looking at who your avatar is, looking at how much knowledge base they have and what they understand and then reverse engineering a plan and conversation that tailors to them. Yes. That's well said. I never actually thought about that. That's good. So last piece, this is fun. I'm excited for this part. Um, Last piece. And I want to use the phrase you said earlier before we jumped on. You get a lot of questions right now. Should I be marketing right now? How are you responding to that? Do you want to have a business? That's that's how I answered it it. for you earlier. Do you want to have a business? Do you want to have a business now? Do you want to have a business in the future? If the answer is yes, then yes, 
you need mm. to be marketing. Now, what's, what we're really asking when we're saying, should I be marketing right now is how can I be marketing right now without feeling like a jack wagon? Mm, yep, yep. How can I be marketing right now without being insensitive would be another way to look at it. And mm-hmm. so then don't say insensitive things. Don't say things that might be controversial, a topic that you may not want to go into, although you may, depending on your perspective, is the immune system. If you feel like you don't want to start a controversy, then don't talk about the immune system in your social media posts. But that doesn't mean that you can't still be marketing your practice and remembering, like, especially in the social media realm of marketing, that it's about building trust with people and trust doesn't happen just from today to tomorrow, right? It's like a continued process. So what you're doing right now for marketing will help you reap the rewards in three, six, 12 months from now, even two years and beyond that. Do you want your business to be healthy at that time? Yes, you do. So yes, be marketing right now. Just be aware of who you're marketing to, which is, you know, like what you've, what you've talked about, about your avatar. And that's what I teach too. It's like, who are you marketing to? What are their problems right now? How can you talk with, talk with, talk to your audience about what's really going on for them and give them some hope, some inspiration, some tips on how to get through it. That will help keep your practice relevant at least. And will it bring new patients into your practice right now? I don't know. Nobody knows the answer to that question because we're all in a whole new world. Mm -hmm. But I would be willing to bet it's a lot more effective than doing nothing at all. Right. Yeah. Well said. (laughs) And I think that people don't, you know, that's one thing I tell people too is doing nothing is also a choice. You can make the choice. Doing nothing is not doing nothing. Doing nothing is a choice. And you can make that choice if you want because you don't see the opportunity or you don't see the time investment being worth it, you know, whether it's now or in the future. But just remember, it's still a choice. And I think you said it well, too, is, you know, maybe, you know, don't quit thinking so short term. Maybe so much, maybe not so much short term thought process of get people in the office now or next week. Maybe it's more so just build those connections. And, it, you know, in the future, those connections are going to start to pay off because you provide a security and certainty in a time of uncertainty and insecurity. The people are going to look to you for guidance in the future because you've already built that trust. And so maybe it's just the, the KPI or the metrics that people are looking at in terms of marketing success right now. Maybe it's not so much dollar figures as it is more so emotional connection figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well said. And I think. Yeah, I think too, and I don't know if um, me and you have dove in on this. One thing that we've, uh, you know, just preached in our community, and I think you can probably add value to this is now is the best time ever to just start developing those, you know, bigger relationships, those local business relationships. You know, the the gym owner, the restaurant owner who yes. has time on their hands, who yes. can, who's sitting, who's sitting on their phone just like you are. And they're they're looking for people to connect with. They're looking for local people, whether it's local, national, whatever it is. But humans are looking to be led right now. They're looking for people to connect with, you know. And so now is the time to just start focusing on those relationships that are going to, you know, ultimately play out for a local business in the future. Absolutely. Yes. Again, you know, people are like, oh, should I be doing that right now? Well, what's the cost to you to do that now? Versus what's the cost to you to not do that now? Right. And to be really clear about like both, yes, the financial aspect, but also the impact that we have the ability to make. And even if right now, although this is going to start changing in just the next few days in several states, Mm -hmm. if right now we can only see acute and emergent cases, well, people who are in an acute or emergent situation need to know that chiropractic is an option for them. And you need to be top of mind. So that means like, yeah, still putting your message out there and, and doing it so that you're, it's not just about the money, right? Like it's also about making the impact that we have Mm -hmm. the ability to make even still right now. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. That's exactly well said. And it's, you know, back to switching your mindset from maybe it's not so much money, money, patient, patient to just impact, impact, connection, connection. And ultimately, that in long term will solidify new business for you in, in terms of a revenue perspective, you know, but you just have to be able to see the long term picture. And um, yeah, I don't know. Are you big on like um, um, 
are you big in like video, like sending videos to people and like connecting with people like via like video marketing, like just like sending like selfie videos to people? Um, I've like, never done that personally, but I have used just text and yeah. audio messages. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's, I think, um, one of the bigger, the guys that we follow, he's, I wish he was my mentor. I can't quite afford him yet, but I want him to be my mentor. He did, talks about like making everything like very intimate, you know, making as much of your connection right now as intimate as possible. So to your point through, you know, what it is like texting your patients or video messaging your patients or audio messaging your patients, right? Like just making your current people, especially the people that are still coming into your office, if you're open, like treating those guys like royalty because they are literally trusting you coming out into a world which is danger filled, danger filled with the virus, right? To come into your office, okay? And yeah. you need to just be acknowledging them and really just like, again, treating them like royalty because they're looking to you for certainty when times are not so certain for really anyone right now. Yep. Love it. I appreciate it. It's been value adding. This has been a lot of fun. Good. Yes, always fun. Yeah. So kind of to recap everything, you know, so kind of everything we talked on, I just like to do a little recap here. So getting off the roller coaster, that's a big one, you know, not so much market, 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 then stop and then have it go down, you know, focus daily on the marketing, right? Yep. Focus daily on the marketing, making time. It seems so simple and obvious, but it's like such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And it's tough too when it's just, you know, it's tough to make time. It's, it's tough to get off the roller coaster because it seems like making time for your business again is the delivery. But we know we're just back to your five core functions of a business. You know, we need to consider all core, all five of those and allocate a little bit of time into every single one of those on a consistent basis. And then back to right now, you know, should we be marketing right now, guys? I think that answer is pretty simple. You know, we need to be staying at top of mind. You know, we're not saying go out and spend thousands of dollars on marketing. We're saying just do what you can for your current providers and just start sending DMs. That's the craziest part. These social media channels are free. Instagram's free. Facebook is free. Just start sending messages to people. Start sending emails to people. And I promise you, like, those connections will for sure start to pay off in the future. Awesome. Yeah, that's how we got here right now. 100%. That's exactly <laughs> right. Just I literally sent Danielle a DM on Instagram. I was like, I like what she's doing. I'm a DM her. Here we are right now, guys. So yeah. simple as that. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I'll look forward to I'm gonna chop some of this stuff up and send you some highlights. And then I will also let you know, uh, when this podcast goes live. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate mm -hmm. you, Danielle. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Absolutely. Pleasure. I hope, you know, we'll stay in touch. And uh, if anybody wants to connect with Danielle, I linked her links out below. I got her website and some social media. Um, feel free to reach out. And if you guys um, are looking to like, get in touch with her via email, just let me know and I can provide that contact info as well. So appreciate you, Danielle. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I really hope you're able to grab some actionable information that you can take and run with for your own business. If we missed any of your questions or if you have anything you want us to discuss in an upcoming episode, shoot us an email at chiropracticmarketingsecrets at gmail.com. That's chiropracticmarketingsecrets at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please share it with somebody who might be able to benefit from it. Your support means the world to us.